You're listening to The Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means that is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we will be looking at what is traditionally called the triumphal entry. The historical entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem the Sunday before his crucifixion. All four Gospels record this account. We will start by looking at Luke's account in Luke 19, verses 29 to 44. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loosen it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you loosening it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he had said to them. But as they were loosening the colt, the owner of it said to them, Why are you loosening the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own coats on the colt. And they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation the sunday before the crucifixion of jesus is traditionally known as palm sunday jesus was en route to jerusalem for the last time he sent two of his disciples into the village to get a colt for his entrance into Jerusalem. He told them exactly where they would find the animal and what the owners would say. This is a significant event in the life of Jesus. The importance of this event is reflected in the fact that the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem is recorded in all four Gospels. The entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem on a donkey was an official public declaration that he was the promised Messiah of Israel. 
Before this event, Jesus had been quiet about his true identity. But today was the day when Jesus would no longer be quiet about his identity. This event marked the official presentation of Jesus to the nation of Israel as the rightful son of David. He was now clearly and publicly declaring his true identity as the Messiah of Israel. Unfortunately, he was largely rejected by Israel. John says, He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. That's John 1 and verse 11. Jesus comments on the significance of this event. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and enclose you on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. That's Luke 19, verses 41 to 44. As Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, he lamented over the city, who missed their opportunity to accept and to receive the Messiah. If the people had only received him as the Messiah, it would have meant peace for them. But they didn't recognize that he was the source of their peace. Now it was too late. The religious leaders had already determined what they would do with the Son of God. Because of their rejection of Jesus, their eyes were blinded. Do you see the principle here? Our decision to reject truth creates a blindness to that truth. Jesus gives an amazing prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Reading from the New Living Translation. Before long your enemy will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you. They will crush you to the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you have rejected the opportunity God offered you. Jesus describes the siege of Titus, the Roman general, who would surround the city, entrap the inhabitants, massacre both young and old, and level the walls and the buildings within the city. Not one stone would be left upon another. This literally came to pass in 70 A.D., Jerusalem did not know the time of its visitation when the Messiah came to their city. The Lord had visited the city with the offer of salvation, but the people of Jerusalem and Israel did not want him. They rejected their Messiah. This was one of the responses that Jesus gave as he entered into Jerusalem that day. Now let's look at the response that people gave to Jesus as the Messiah as he entered into Jerusalem that day. First, there were those that accepted him as the Messiah and believed in him. That's Mark 11, verses 8 to 10. Many spread their coats on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. 
Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This event is traditionally known as the triumphal entry, in which Jesus officially offers himself to the nation of Israel as the long-awaited Messiah. What Jesus did that day was a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. That's Matthew 21, verses 4 and 5. Matthew quotes from Isaiah 62, verse 11, and Zechariah 9, verse 9. The emphasis of these prophecies are on the humility of the Messiah, and this accurately reflects the actions of Jesus in this event. Look at the response of the people as Jesus rode towards Jerusalem on a donkey colt that day. All four Gospels describe the response of the crowd. They spread their garments, and others spread palm branches before the colt that Jesus rode. These people were not the inhabitants of Jerusalem, but a large crowd that accompanied Jesus from Jericho. To spread their clothes on the road indicated that a dignitary was being greeted. Their actions were like rolling out a red carpet. The scene described here was that of a royal procession. They hailed him as the King of Israel, the Messiah. Many believed him to be the Messiah. Prior to this time, the Lord Jesus had steadfastly avoided such a display. Now he was publicly presenting himself to Israel as the nation's Messiah and King. There were those who accepted Jesus as the promised Messiah. This was evidence from their words. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's Mark 11, verses 9 and 10. The text says that they cried out. In the present tense in the Greek, it means that they kept crying out. They kept crying out, Hosanna, which means grant salvation or save us. This is taken from Psalm 118, verse 25. Please, Lord, please save us. Please, Lord, please give us success. That's Psalm 118, verse 25 in the New Living Translation. This was an appeal to God to save Israel now that the Messiah had appeared. The term, He who comes, is a standard title by which the Messiah was known. Jesus was recognized as the one who comes, or the coming one, the Jewish Messiah. Blessed is the kingdom, the kingdom identified with the Messiah. The phrase, Son of David, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, both clearly indicate that Jesus was being recognized as the Messiah. He is the blessed one, the anointed one who comes by Jehovah's authority to do his will. There were those who accepted that Jesus was the Christ and believed in him. However, the people were expecting an earthly kingdom to be established, like the kingdom of David. 
When Jesus didn't measure up to their expectations, they rejected him as the Messiah. At this moment, some of this crowd believed that Jesus was their Messiah, including the disciples. They were filled with hope and joy that the Messiah had come to save them and to save Israel. Jesus had come to save them, but in a way that they did not expect. And this was a stumbling block for all of Israel. They were expecting a conquering king to free them from Roman bondage as Moses had freed Israel from Egyptian bondage. Jesus had come as a suffering Messiah to free them from the bondage of sin, the real problem that mankind faced. Many of this crowd had a genuine belief in Jesus as the Messiah. Their faith was about to be tested with the arrest, trial, and crucifixion of Jesus. One of the responses to the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem was that of faith and belief. There were those that accepted and believed that Jesus was truly the Jewish Messiah. So let's look at a second response. There were those that consented to his declaration, but had no depth of belief in him. No doubt there were people who entered into the excitement of the moment. They were caught up in the moment. They were amongst those that paid tribute to Jesus by spreading out their clothes on the dusty road. Some of them may have spread palm branches on the ground. Maybe they even shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. However, there was no depth of belief in their actions. They merely consented to the idea that Jesus was the Messiah. Their actions or expressions of praise didn't flow out of conviction from the heart. Look at the scene described here as this procession arrived at Jerusalem. And when they had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. That's Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. In answer to the question, Who is this? Some of the crowd said, Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. This was not a strong affirmation that Jesus was the Messiah. He was identified as Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. There were Old Testament prophets who healed the sick and performed miracles, like Moses, Elisha, and Elijah. But in their mind, the Messiah would be much greater than a prophet. The Jewish people had expectations of the Messiah that Jesus was not fulfilling. Even John the Baptist, when he was in prison, went through a period of doubt about the identity of Jesus. Luke 7, verse 20. When the men had come to him, that is, Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? John sent his disciples to Jesus and asked Jesus if he was the Messiah. How did Jesus answer these disciples of John the Baptist? Verses 21 and 22 of Luke 7. And that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. To many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, 
the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus told John to look at what he was doing and compare it with what the Old Testament said about the Messiah and come to his own conclusion. There were many in the crowd who followed Jesus, yet they were not completely convinced that he was the Messiah. They were consenters. They entertained the idea that Jesus may be the Messiah. At this point, they saw him as a prophet. The arrest, trial, and crucifixion of Jesus at the end of the week would end all hope and belief that Jesus was their Messiah. Even the disciples would lose their faith and hope in Jesus as the Messiah. This loss of hope is reflected in the conversation on the Emmaus Road. The disciples lost all hope in Jesus as the Jewish Messiah because he had died. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. That's Luke 24, verses 19 to 21. With the death of Jesus, all hope was lost. Their hope died with Jesus. Jesus had not fulfilled their expectations. The death of Jesus on the cross was not what the Messiah had come to do in their thinking. The crucifixion and the death of Jesus shattered their beliefs in the Messiah. John gives us an editorial note in John 12 and verse 16, explaining that the disciples did not understand the significance of this event at the time. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. That's John 12, verses 14 to 16. It wasn't until much later that the disciples understood the significance of what was happening on this day. Many of the crowd shouted Hosanna and spread their palm branches and their cloaks on the dusty road before Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. But they were not convinced that he was the Messiah. There was no depth to their belief in Jesus. They merely consented to what was going on that day. Maybe they had a wait-and-see attitude. Are you a consenter or a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you consent to the lordship of Jesus, as Satan does, or as demons do? Or do you truly believe that he is Lord? Do you consent to him as Savior, or is he your Savior? Do you see the difference here? Our belief in Jesus needs to become an issue of the heart, not just mental assent to facts or knowledge. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Jesus says, not everyone who addresses him affectionately as Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven. There will be those who will act like Christians, look like Christians. They will be involved in ministry like Christians, but Jesus doesn't know them. Some of these people will operate in supernatural gifts of the Spirit, and yet Jesus never knew them. You will know those who are Christians because they will be the ones who will do the will of the Father. He who does the will of my Father in heaven. Those are the words of Jesus. We have looked at two groups who followed Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. Those who believed in Jesus and those who consented to Jesus. Let's look at a third group. There were those who rejected his declaration and did not believe in him. Luke 19, verses 39 to 40. And some of the Pharisees called him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Some of the Pharisees who were in this crowd were indignant that Jesus should be publicly honored in this way. The Pharisees requested that Jesus silence the crowds who acclaimed him as the Messiah. Luke is the only gospel account that records this request of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were disturbed, even offended, that Jesus would allow this to go on. Jesus would not comply with the request. Jesus said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. That's Luke 19 and verse 40. This must happen. There must be a proclamation that he is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. Jesus was publicly presenting himself to the nation as the Messiah. The Pharisees clearly did not believe. They rejected him as the Messiah of Israel. This was one more offense in the growing number of offenses that Jesus committed. Jesus suggested that the Pharisees were being like stones, hard and unresponsive. In fact, the stones were capable of being more responsive than they were. There were many who claimed to be the Jewish Messiah in the first century. There's Judas of Galilee. Josephus mentions him both in the Jewish wars and in the antiquities of the Jews. He is also mentioned by Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5. Judas of Galilee was a Jewish leader who led an armed resistance to a census imposed for Roman tax purposes around 6 AD. The revolution was crushed brutally by the Romans. Another Jewish messiah that arose in the first century is a man by the name of Menahem ben Judah. He was also mentioned by Josephus. He is the son of Judah of Galilee. He armed his followers with weapons captured at Masada and besieged the Antoniah fortress in Jerusalem, overpowering the troops of Agrippa II in Judah. 
and forcing the Roman garrison to retreat. Emboldened by his success, he claimed the leadership of Jerusalem and aroused the enmity of a rival zealot leader who conspired against him and had him killed. A third Jewish messiah that arose in the first century is a man by the name of Thutis. His name means gift of God. He is also mentioned in Acts chapter 5 by Gamaliel. At some point between 44 and 46 AD, Thutis led his followers in a short-lived revolution against the Romans. A fourth Jewish messiah that arose in the first century is a man by the name of John of Giscala. He was the leader of the Jewish revolution against the Romans in the first Jewish-Roman war and played a part in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. He was captured by Titus during the siege of Jerusalem and was sentenced to life imprisonment. He was taken by the Romans back to Rome and was paraded through the streets of Rome in chains. All four of these men claimed to be the Messiah and led a revolution against Rome and were put down by the Romans. In Acts chapter 5, the Sanhedrin plotted to kill the apostles because in their thinking the apostles were cultivating a messianic rebellion and endangering all of Israel. Gamaliel gives his words of advice to the Sanhedrin, recorded in Acts chapter 5 verses 36 to 38. These are the words of Gamaliel. For some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee arose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. Gamaliel reminds the Sanhedrin that there have been other messianic rebellions that have been unsuccessful. He came into the world to present himself to the Jews as the Messiah, but they did not receive him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. That's John 1 and verse 11. Jesus was publicly presenting himself to Israel as the nation's Messiah and King as he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. The Bible tells us as he approached Jerusalem, Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he knew that they would reject him and he understood the consequences of that rejection. Luke 19 verses 41 and 42. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The nation would suffer judgment with the destruction of the temple and the city of Jerusalem that came in 70 A.D. The religious leaders were not the only ones that rejected Jesus as the Messiah. The nation as a whole rejected Jesus. But there were many Jews who accepted Jesus as their Messiah, thousands of them. It is important to remember that the early church was entirely Jewish, comprised of those of Israel who accepted Jesus as their Messiah. We have now looked at three groups of people who followed Jesus on the road to Jerusalem. 
those who believed in Jesus as the Messiah, those who consented, and those who rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Let's look at one more group. There were those who were ignorant of who Jesus was. Matthew 21 and verse 10. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? The city was moved. Literally, the city was shaken. The same verb is used in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3 when Herod reacts to the news from the wise men who were asking about the birth of Jesus, the King of Israel. Matthew 2 and verse 3, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. This is the same verb used here. The city was moved. The city was shaken. Inside the city of Jerusalem, there was bewilderment as to the identity of Jesus and what was going on with his arrival. The city was stirred over the arrival of Jesus and the manner in which he entered the city. There is a contrast here between the men in the city in verse 10, those who were ignorant of the Lord's identity, and the multitude who were able to answer their question in verse 11. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. That's Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. Those in the crowd who responded to the question said that Jesus was a prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. It seemed that few in this crowd really understood the significance of this event. They identified Jesus as a prophet. They did not declare him to be the Jewish Messiah. There were probably many Galileans in this crowd who had come up to Jerusalem for this feast who knew Jesus through his preaching and healing ministry in Galilee. Jesus had avoided Jerusalem because of the controversy he created. And therefore, for this reason, many in Jerusalem did not know him. The people of Jerusalem were not totally ignorant of Jesus. They had probably heard some rumors about Jesus and this prophet from Galilee, but they did not have a clear understanding of who Jesus was or what he taught. We assume that everyone in North America knows who Jesus is, but this assumption is false. There is an amazing ignorance about Jesus in our culture today. Even amongst those who go to church, there is now a variety of beliefs about Jesus which are not biblical. For example, they did a nationwide survey of Christian teens in the United States called the Jesus Survey. One of the questions they asked Christian teenagers was about the exclusive claims of Jesus. Christ's exclusive claims seem to be a big stumbling block for many teens in this survey. Fully, one out of three, that's 33% of Christian teenagers surveyed, believed that Jesus, Muhammad, and Buddha, and other great religious leaders all led to heaven. This survey was done amongst Christian teenagers in the U.S., more than ever, there is a need for the Christian to make known the good news of Jesus Christ. 
on the road leading into Jerusalem, there were those who believed in Jesus, those who consented to him, those who rejected him, and those who did not know who he was. What category do you fit into? Are you a believer in Jesus Christ, convinced that he is Lord? Jesus has a significant place in your life? Or is Jesus merely a significant person in history? You are aware of what the Bible says about him, and if you were tested about what you know, you would do well on a test. Jesus is someone you think about, but that is the extent of it. Perhaps you have rejected the biblical Jesus. How can we trust what the Bible says about him? How reliable are the Gospels? What is the truth about Jesus? Unbelief is often a choice rather than the lack of good information. Or perhaps you just don't know what to think about Jesus Christ. This is what I did. I prayed this, God, I don't know if you are real. But if you are real, please reveal yourself to me. That is a prayer that I prayed when I was 11 years old. And you know, God answered that prayer. Join us in two weeks for our next episode of Relevant Truth. Never miss an episode of the podcast by subscribing on iTunes. If you like this podcast, why not rate and review the podcast on iTunes? To contact me, there's a website you can visit, relevanttruthpodcast.com, where you will find an archive of all of these messages and also book recommendations. You can also contact me at rockrevmason79 at gmail.com or at the Facebook page, Relevant Truth Podcast. The music used on this podcast was produced by my son, Brent Mason. We will be back in two weeks. Thanks for listening.